Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And uh, it's that magical time of the year uh, where we're celebrating a list of films that were not bad. You know what I mean? They were actually, you can almost say they were good, Katie. You, you know, you could almost, <laughs> mm-hmm. almost say they were uh, flicks we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like this time of year. Uh, we are now in 2023. This is another calendar year that we've kept the show into. Like we're almost at 100 episodes. Um, if I weren't so inconsistent, we'd probably have passed it a long time ago. Um, but that such is life mm-hmm. uh, for young working kids like us. Um, but I, I, you know, like I was saying to you before, I was like, it's a weird year to do this, but what year isn't? Um, at least we're, I feel like we're finally, finally, finally out of the uh, sort of barren release world of post-2020 and COVID and everything. Uh, so now flicks are, are coming out hot and heavy. Um, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Like, I mean, oh yeah, do you have, do you have any I, basting thoughts before we bake this turkey? Absolutely. I have some basting. Um, mainly just to echo what you said about how it feels like we're coming out of that funk. Like I really felt for a bit, like last year, I really felt my enthusiasm for films had diminished. Yeah, and, oh, totally. But this year, I I saw so many good films. I had such a good time. I saw more good ones than ones that I did enjoy. And um, I'm really looking forward to discussing them with you. I also, like, I've had a ball. I've really, really been dumping into old movies this year, too. Um, I've been, like, every year I feel like, oh, my God, I've seen so much shit. And then I'm, when it comes time to do the list, I'm like well yeah you were watching the godfather and like <laughs> 2001 a space odyssey and i'm like i'm like okay fair enough fair enough many um, different the, copies of apocalypse now oh my god three different cut the, the 40th anniversary final cut which one do i watch mm-hmm. i like you know i went down a real coppola lucas american zoetrope uh rabbit hole the last month or so and then last night uh, two night, two nights ago, I watched. They they released Malcolm X on 4K UHD on Criterion, and so I'm watching that because that's a movie my dad would always have on if it was on, which I think is weird because it's pretty fucking bleak and it's super long and stuff, but it, it, riveting that that would be the one. So I'd seen bits and pieces. And I watched it the other night. And I'm like, fuck, this is great. But I chunked in some late late watches uh, thanks to HBO Max. Um, on some movies that were end of the year releases and yeah i'm ready to rock and roll do you want to start with number 10 yeah i got my number 10 we'll go uh my number 10 is the unbearable weight of massive talent right. it's on my list too fuck yeah oh i love this fucking movie dude it's oh my so God. good uh directed by tom gormican uh written by tom gormican and kevin eaton this is an insane film uh, centering on a fictionalized version of nick cage's public persona and it is a wild ride. From Cage's chemistry to a superfan who may or may not be dangerous, played by Pedro Pascal, to the action scenes, uh, family drama, and discussions of a deep love of Paddington 2, uh, this movie is entertaining from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, it go, favorite movies of the year. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely on the list. I, I thought the whole, I mean, there's just so much funny shit in there. I thought the, the runner with the cabinet of dr caligari and shit like that like they just make they make nick cage into like the ultimate like film douche mm-hmm. kind of like asshole version of himself not dissimilar to uh like what neil patrick harris kind of did with 
Harold and Kumar and How I Met Your Mother, uh, not dissimilar to what they did in This Is The End, but I actually feel as though it was the most successful like way I've ever seen anybody pull that, that kind of thing off. Um, the whole stilted reality and Nick Cage is Nick Cage, but then everybody is everybody else, and yet you just buy it the whole time. The cast is so strong top to bottom. Like You have Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish tossed in as well. Um, shit killed me. I actually, I mean, I may as well just talk about it now since it's on my list, but um, I watched it on the plane. I went to Ireland this summer, uh, and I was just, I was drinking, drinking brews and like on a very, very long flight, and I was just dying at this movie. I couldn't believe how funny it was. I, and it's crazy because like comedy and, and big, and like studio comedy releases are what, like, where my love for film was born. Like, I wanted, obviously clerics and kevin smith and we'll get to that uh and 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 the indie world but that came later like my appetite was whetted and i was given like the idea of wanting to do this with like judd apatow's string of movies and like jason siegel writing fruiting sarah marshall and stuff like that and it's sort of a dying breed um so thank the good lord that Lionsgate let this comedy happen and it delivered like it if you if you read that premise out it sounds like okay it could be good or it could also be kind of lame and it's mm-hmm. it's actually neither it's like fucking fantastic so I, i'm I, I guess i should stop talking about your thing and go to mine <laughs> <laughs> um a number 10 for me i keep smacking my tongue i need to stop doing that i keep seeing it pick up on the <laughs> on the uh on the recording i'm i'm uh, whatever number 10 turning red uh from Ooh. disney and pixar this movie there's a fucking car just like and i've been trying to ignore it and be professional (laughs) but like it's just been like this alarm has been honk 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 for fucking ever and it's still going i hope it isn't picking up regardless no i I can't Um, hear it at all well that's wonderful uh hopefully my my blue yeti isn't sensitive enough i've never said that before um turning red makes it because yes it, it covers a lot of ground and carries a lot of emotional weight talking about um you know people talk about disney really going after generational trauma i think that's cool i think this is a movie that does that i think encanto did that as well coco did that um and it's also you know a movie prominently about non-typical white american characters you know it's about you have like leading women and like it's so it's so the thing finally shut off thank fucking god so i can have my train of thought back (laughs) Um, it's a really important like coming of age story to me, which is a genre I like forever fuck with. And, um, you know, there are a lot of things that presented in that movie. I didn't personally experience and yet still super relate to, like, I never had a period, but I know like, you know, I had a little sister and I know that experience and I never see that experience of, um, uh, girls sort of changing and 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 coming into their bodies and stuff really shown off that way in the mainstream i feel like dudes get it plenty for better or worse for sometimes grotesque but a lot of things are all about male adolescence and not so much um the joys and pitfalls of female adolescence in an interesting new light so i thought that was cool i also thought the friend group was hilarious i think it's interesting also to have nostalgia for the early aughts i think that's a strange like this movie's set in like fucking canada in like 2003 Mm -hmm. like what a specific (laughs) like you know what i mean like what a specific setting 
Um, I don't know. I just vibed with it. And I thought the soundtrack was stellar. Like it made, I said to Taylor, I'm like, it doesn't leave my top 10 because of the soundtrack. Like the boy band they're all obsessed with four town, which is like, <laughs> Oh town, 98 degrees, backstreet boys in sync, like all the songs and Disney records actually released like a 45 or like a mini record with like four or five tracks from the, from the flick. They all absolutely fucking bop. They all stick in my head. The merch that, that came out with this movie was adorable. Uh, and it's a movie about, you know, learning to be your true self. Uh, that's that's a resounding message that as long as I keep presenting it in different ways, I'm going to keep go- giving out my money for the ticket. I had this one on my list, too. Um, and one of the things I really loved about it is that May's world is, like, really realized. Like, the relationship that she has with her mom feels real. She, uh, she desperately wants to be the daughter her mom wants her to be, but discovers that she has to forge her own path. And her rebellion is brought on by puberty and, like, this new sense of self outside of her mother, uh, which is... But it's still sweet. It's never like, I hate you, mom. It's very no. much just, like, the, the just natural frustrations of, of growing up. And, um, the, like you said, I love the boy band and the, the friend group, and it's just really sweet. And, um... Domi, she uh, really knocked me off my feet with Bao, and she wowed me with okay. this one. There we go. Yes, mm-hmm. it feels so... I, I couldn't remember if there was a actual connection or if I'm just, like, spiritually connecting them, because that short... I, I can't remember which one it was in, fr- in front of. Maybe Coco? Um, I think it was. Yeah, well, it was such a... Bao was such a phenomenal short, and this movie is the perfect... Like, it's the, sa- it, it's, it's the same theme in a way, but just expanded upon. And um, that ends up being just a tiny piece of like a really awesome picture. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I also wanted to impress you with having animation on my list, um, even, <laughs> if it, even if it is from the house of mouse. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's uh, 10 for me. Cool. Then we'll head on over to number nine. Do it. So my nine is bodies, bodies, bodies. I didn't see this. Oh, it's quite fun. So it's directed by uh, Helena Rajin. Uh, apologies if I pronounce any of these people's names wrong. And the screenplay is by Sarah DeLapp. And um, I'm not usually one for movies about terrible people doing terrible things, but I had a heck of a time watching these rich kids turn on each other during a quote-unquote hurricane party, which I've never heard of before. Um, and I didn't know that's what the plot was. I was just yeah. like, mm-hmm. So it's like all these terrible rich kids are stuck together in a house due to their own making because they decided to like what if what if we just all stayed inside and did a bunch of drugs and got drunk well like literally nature is just screaming Ugh. and sounds th- awesome i totally yeah, would it's died. great <laughs> i would have been dead as fuck i would have been like yes mm-hmm. let's have a hurricane party <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i had good parents they would have been like you cannot go to the hurricane party mm-hmm I don't think any of these characters' parents are terribly present. That adds Um, up. That adds up, considering considering what I realized about the flick. But continue. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, Rachel Sinnott, she plays Alice. She was also the lead character in Shiva Baby. She is an absolute standout as a vapid podcaster. Speaking of podcasts... There's this um, back. Yeah, it's us. There's this back and forth between these characters about how uh, some of them hate listen to her podcast, and she's genuinely distressed, and it's so funny. 
uh, especially after having a podcast and knowing what goes into it, but knowing that how people talk about podcasts, it's mm-hmm. just it's excellent comedy. And um, it's a good time. It's just a great time. And what I really liked about it is that things just get crazier and crazier. And all of these spoiled kids just turn on each other. And it becomes really funny at the end where it turns out that the whole situation was a comedy of errors. Uh, I won't spoil it completely, but um, I'll you just should. say that. Oh, you want me to? I do. I, I don't know. I, I want to. You feel free. So uh, the whole plot is centered around, again, these kids are stuck in this hurricane party. They start playing this game, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Which is essentially like murder or secret Hitler or one of those. The fuck? And, um, yeah, you, you know, like those games where you try to suss out who the culprit is. Ugh, I didn't play like games werewolf. like that. It sounds like, okay, I know what that is. I know what mm-hmm. that is. Okay, okay, okay. I played and... fucking Mario Kart, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another way to end friendships uh, in a less bloody way. In a more... Mario Party too. Like my, oh, Mario my boy, Parties. My boy yeah. Aiden won't even, like there was a blissful like stretch of a couple months where I would get my friends on to play Mario Party and now it's just dead because Taylor kept winning. <laughs> just dead in the water. Nobody wants to play Mario Party with Taylor. I can't help it. She's lucky. It's got to be somewhat luck. Mm-hmm. She just happens to have a lot of it. Well, good for her. That's awesome. But yeah, go ahead. So sorry. I'm ba- I'm bad at interrupting. Oh, no, no, no. Um, so, uh, it, so it's one of those games, and so they're already in the mindset of, like, having to, like, suss out who the culprit is. And then one of them actually ends up dead. And it's, um, oh, my goodness, what's his name? He's, uh, he dated Kim Kardashian. Oh, it's Pete um, Davidson. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson ends up actually dead. And um, he's stabbed with a machete. And you find out at the end of the film that he was trying to make a TikTok playing with the machete and he accidentally killed himself. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. There really was no real murder. It's just all these kids just start killing each other out of fear and repressed anger that's just been building up. That rocks, man. That rocks. That sounds pretty... It sounds pretty interesting. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. I'll totally see it. It's okay that spoilers don't bother bother me as much as they used to. To be honest with you, I'm still like gonna pour over a flick for the most part if I'm interested. Um, cool. Well, then I'll bounce over to number nine on my list. It is the menu. Ah. Um, I I was surprised. Well, you know what? No, I wasn't surprised how much I dug this movie. I didn't really have like trackers on it, but as soon as it was like. As soon as I started started seeing TV spots, I'm like, that's a movie I'd see. So it hopped. It came on to HBO Max pretty recently, and I had a friend reach out and be like, you should watch this. And I'm like, I'm I'm going to already. But it's always a good. It always feels like a good indicator when somebody's like, I think you'd like this. Sometimes I'm like, fuck off. But if it's something I already planned on watching, I'm like, yeah, I would. Good call. And it's like they've already subconsciously agreed with me or something. I'm like patting myself on the back. But this is. Who wrote this? It, it was written by Seth Re- Seth Rice and Will Tracy, and it was directed by Mark Mylod. Um, that this is a sweet flick. It feels the reason it goes on here is just I appreciate original scripts. I appreciate seeing movies with an awesome cast, very able, very able talent with like Annie Taylor Joy and Nicholas Holt and Ray Fine. 
Um, and you know, the, I mean, Liguizamo's in this. I'm pretty sure, like, if, if I'm remembering correctly, like, yeah. a, a lot of <laughs> just a lot of people really crushing in this, and it's funny, and it kind of like it. I think it does kind of a similar thing of what like White Lotus and Succession do. The difference, and I and I guess I'm trying to suss out what the difference is. The difference between, I mean, I guess the main difference is I like this and I don't like those ones. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I think like the, the, it's that commentary of it's that commentary of like vapid, annoying, like it, uh, kind of what you're talking about, Bobby, bodies, bodies, bodies. I, I get turned off when it's about like rich kids or something like that. Um, that's why succession doesn't appeal to me. I don't trust people not to make the characters of succession, their personality or like their heroes. I don't feel like Mm -hmm. succession plays like it's in on the joke. I don't feel like white Lotus, maybe white Lotus more so plays like it's in on the joke, but I still just find it to be not quite there. This one is like, Oh no, we're fucking everybody up. I think maybe it's because it gets to lean into the horror of it all. Um, it's a big that's a big win for this script but ultimately i just want to support um flicks like this that are still happening like kind of what i said about the comedy flick too i mean like a studio puts out an original script not based on a comic book and not based on ip from a back catalog and guess what i fucking love comic books and i fucking love back catalogs of ip very very much i am kind of one of the main people that will eat that up but i also like eating up flicks like this uh no pun intended and um I highly recommend it. Good on them. I had this one on my list as well. And I don't know if you've ever discussed this, but I actually have a hobby where I spend way too much time Googling and fantasizing about eating at fancy restaurants here in Los Angeles. We have never discussed this ever. (laughs) And I'm thrilled that it's happening right now because I like going out to eat. I like mm-hmm. fancy places. I can't afford them, so I don't go. But, like, when I can't afford like, I, I really do enjoy that. So now I'm intrigued to hear this. And uh, it, I just, um, like, an example is that, like, Erica and I went to a French restaurant last year for Valentine's Day. And I spent all this time trying to find the perfect fresh French restaurant. Um, right. And, uh, or Castaway. Castaway uh, in Burbank is one of the like the places to go to and yeah and when I finally went and I was like okay I want to get the the drink that's the bell with the cloche and when you like bring it up the like fog goes everywhere and there's like flowers on it and um like the presentation is part of it so I really felt like while watching this film that it was looking right back at me and like putting a mirror to my face which is always very uneasy but interesting because you have to kind of grapple with the fact of like, why do I like this? Is it, mm-hmm. it like, like I like the, obviously the good food, <laughs> but there's also kind of this feeling that you get when you're able sure. to treat yourself to something like that of like, I could be this kind of person. I could be a fancy. And um, it's, uh, it, but why? Why do you want to feel that way? Uh, and it, there's also like the characters in the film there's a lot of talk about relationship to service, those that serve and those who are served. Yes. Thank you for um, saying that. And I, I know you and I have both have had service jobs. Mm-hmm. And so we've been on both ends of that spectrum. But to me, what resonated actually more, even though obviously this wasn't what the movie was about, is I felt like it was about being an artist. 
Yes, that's exactly what I I I I'm so happy you're here because I have these thoughts <laughs> in the moment and I just refuse to write stuff down or be prepared. I'm like, I remember what I liked about it, but yes, no, without a doubt, it like it, it kind of shifted this too, where it's like, oh, you're talking about being a filmmaker, aren't you? Oh, you're mm-hmm. talking about being screenwriters, aren't you? And that this movie applies directly to that, and certainly any other avenue an artist might might take, and they 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 just give it to you in the form of cooking good food here. Um, but I, I really, really dug that. Go ahead. And there's, like, there's the, with, with Chef Slovic, there's this whole thing about how we, when we find out about his past, that it really does appear that when he was younger and he was working at an, an anonymous burger place, mm-hmm. that he really found fulfillment and joy in that work. And over time, as he has as he has gotten more successful and has built his prestige, his enjoyment of his actual art has gone down. And it takes Anya Taylor's Joy's character to like recognize that and to reintroduce that to him by making him force kind of forcing him to cook her a hamburger, a cheeseburger. Yeah. And he he does it because he there's that that awakens this part of him that remembers that joy of something simple and good and sometimes but like there's a lot of films that you and i enjoy that i would classify as cheeseburgers because you don't want to eat a steak every day there's certainly certainly there's they're on this list yeah that's what i was gonna say i have many on this list because you don't there are some films that like you really want to enjoy and sit and take in and just like just really get the art but then there's some films that you just want to rewatch over and over and over again they're easy enjoyment you don't have to work so hard for them and it really struck me but also it made me really want a cheeseburger Uh, i uh (laughs) find burgers disgusting Um, really so yes i've never liked them my whole life Um, oh that's so funny i was a picky eater as a kid uh so i to this day i i don't like ground beef i like beef in general um Mm -hmm. like like i do like steak um i do like uh like pretty much every version of it except for the ground beef i'm not i'm not into that Mm -hmm. um so like but no i but thematically it plays for me just fine um, I thought that was kind of a deus, mach- deus ex machina in the script, but whatever. Like you, you, you do enough. You have so much style and so much substance and so much fun stuff going on that it doesn't really matter um, to me. I think you need to find need to find a way to throw that um, that main character a bone, and you need to find a way to uh, make things really click. Um, I like getting her out of there alive. Personally, I think that's a really good move. Spoilers. I mean, we're spoiling it. Um, and yeah, dude, I, I definitely, I, I definitely related to, to 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 so much of to so much of the angle of it being about whatever art you put your your mind to. And I also, if you want to go the literal route, like yeah, I, I will. I had a lot of fun working in the service industry and making popcorn for people at at the movie theater. Like I had a lot of fun doing that, and I made no money at all. Um, and it was one of the best times ever. So like, no matter how much success I attain as like a filmmaker or whatever, which I would like to do and hope to do. And I'm having a little, but not a ton. (laughs) Um, That will, that moment in the past is unchangeable. Like it, it already, it already happened. And like, you you can't take away like how, how joyful and pleasant those times were. So that, that, that plays on such a level for me that, uh, that that would be the thing to let that character 
Ray Fine's character let her go. I I'm happy. It feels like they were looking for a way to let that character out of it. Like Ray Fine's a psychopath, but yet does see something in her, like the whole movie, which I think is cool. It's a nice window in. And it also feels like it feels like the the script that they would really want you to to look at when we were at film school doesn't it like it feels like oh yeah this is what sure. you guys this is what you guys should do and it's just a testament to people to keep their original ideas going also hong chow who plays the assistant is so funny uh she was also in the whale this year and she delivered a knockout performance so i'm very excited to see what she does next oh that's great yeah this, this is a delight this is a delightful flick <clears throat> i like comedy horror Mm-hmm. Me too. It's, it's a really nice blend. They're so similar. Um, all right, where are we at? You number eight. Yep. Oh my gosh, dude, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, my number eight is Fire Island, directed by Andrew On and screenplay by Joel Booster Kim. Okay, I did not see this. I'm, I'm very excited to learn. This is probably my new favorite version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, is it purposefully that? Yeah, it's okay. Great, great. Very purposefully, and I did not know that going in. It wasn't really advertised that way, so it really for me it was like a um, like it it it, it like dawned on me what was happening, and it uh it was just so delightful, like seeing which character was who, and uh watching the situation play out, knowing the beats of Pride and Prejudice, it kind of reminded me of how in the 90s we were taking, like, Shakespeare or uh, or Jane Austen material and modernizing it. Yeah, isn't Clueless one of those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt very much in that vein, and it was just so funny. Like, there's a couple of films I have on this list that I feel like could very much mirror other films that came out this year. In this particular case, Bros, I think would be the obvious comparison. And um, I was resistant to Bros for quite a while because the way that it was marketing was if you don't watch this movie, then you're homophobic. Um, And I I felt very bitter about that. I never felt like Fire Island forced me to watch it. Um, and Bros itself is actually like perfectly okay. I didn't think it was great, I, but it's not bad. Um, but it, I think it had some really interesting things to say about the gay community, sure. but the story itself just kind of was flat for me. Whereas this was a fun story based on something that I like quite a bit that also had something to say about racism in the gay community. And, um... Bowen Yang, who always kills it on SNL, gets to play romantic here and sweet, which is new. I, I don't usually get to see that side of him. And I I really enjoyed watching his romance bloom. And of co- course, uh, Joel Booster Kim, who is our Elizabeth Bennett, slowly kind of realizing romantic feelings. It was very fun. And it, it was just a, a celebration of this classic gay place. Uh, that got this the full film treatment and it was very very funny and i thoroughly enjoyed it that's awesome dude i i there's like a lot of um there's a good handful of movie movies that just looked and sounded phenomenal and i just for some reason didn't get to i do chalk a lot of it up to not working at a movie theater anymore when i had that at my disposal to go in whenever um 
especially when it was a new movie and I could see it before everybody else. Like, oh, like I was seeing so many flicks. Uh, the effort to see a new movie in theater in LA is expensive, but I do try to go as much as possible. Um, this is one I wish I would have seen because that sounds really, really dope. That's definitely going to go on my list for like the next month. The next month is going to be me watching these great movies you're describing. I'm like, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies has Pete Davidson machete himself. You should have led with that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm like, fucking uh, cool. Like, fucking double feature it with Walk Hard and have people just chopping themselves up. <laughs> um, cool, man. So number eight for me is Clerks 3, written and directed by Kevin Smith. This movie, I mean – if you're new to the podcast, very big fan of Kevin Smith and an employee of Kevin Smith. <laughs> so it's going to make the list no matter what. I think when we did, uh, when Reboot was new and was on my list when I first moved here, I wasn't technically working for them yet, I don't think. So it made the list pseudo-organically. This one is making the list for a lot of reasons. Um, the obvious reason is I'm just happy to see anything from kevin i'm happy to see a sequel uh crowning a trilogy that i really 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 love um a movie celebrating all of the other clerks movies and kind of the whole view askew similar to the way reboot did but very much wrapping up arcs of characters that have meant the world to me dante and randall jay and silent bob like all these all these people and it doesn't shut the door on the view universe but very firmly um wraps up a trilogy and that's cool to me that's something that i actually never expected i'm sure kevin never planned on just based on i think that he didn't rush to make clerks too and i don't know like um i don't know if anybody was really expecting kind of the gut punches this movie takes it's it's very hard on the sleeve and i really really respect him for doing it that way um I also have obvious reasons that I love it. If you get the Blu-ray and go to the bonus features, me and my wife are in a deleted scene, which is being able to say that sentence makes me feel kind of breathless, uh, just to be honest with you. Uh, it's really, really fucking cool for me as a as a big fan and as somebody who loves these movies, any movies. Like, we're on the fucking bonus features of a movie. Like, that's so fucking rad, and I got to be on the set for you know multiple days i got to see famous people act i got to be in a scene in the quick stop like this this movie i wanted to put it on at number one for all those reasons but it seemed kind of shitty but i was like all right what's got to make the list but not 10 either like where do we put it so it, it makes it here it could make it anywhere on the list i'm i'm really happy it's it, it's out and i'm it seems to be very well received which is amazing so congrats to everybody especially the people that I know that worked on it. Chelsea Cole is one of my good pals, and she was associate producer on it. Um, Jordan Monsanto produced on it, and she's an absolute dream. Um, I just love y'all, so congrats. That's lovely. I, I didn't know that you guys were I, – I knew that you were in a scene, but I didn't know that it was on the, the Blu-ray. That's so exciting. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, if you go to the Blu-ray, the scene remains in the movie, but we're part of a runner that got cut out, so – I don't know what I, there's another one of those classic smacks. So sorry about that. I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but there there is another actor that was part of that was in the runner, who is not in the bonus feature. So I maybe I don't know why. I think we got put in because Jordan 
And then we're like, oh, shit. Well, they got cut from the movie. We got to put them in the bonus features or Luke will just cry himself to sleep, which the fact that they even had that thought process is really nice. So we're there and it's huge. You know, it was Taylor gets lines in the quick stop opposite Randall Graves. I stand there with a big mustache looking kind of dumb. Um, I remember I remember when Kevin was showing me an assembly cut of the movie. That sounds so much cooler than it is. I'm hustling to have him sign merchandise to sell on the website, and he's doing something on his laptop and called me over. But he was like, here's your scene. And I remember seeing it and being like, fuck, I'm really thrilled I didn't look down the barrel of the camera. And he's like, well, you did a few times. And I'm like, motherfuck, I'm not an actor. So it was a really nerve-wracking day, and I was happy to be a part of it. That's so awesome. And you, uh, it was a big Hollywood premiere. That's right. You got to attend the big. Ho- That's another reason we got to we got to go to how big how big shots were we? How bi- how big of big shots were we? How fat of cats were we when we you got were, to go to the? You were you were a big the- shot. No, you were there. You were there too. <laughs> uh, we got to go to the Hollywood premiere at the Chinese Theater of Clerks Three. That was a fucking phenomenal evening. So, mm-hmm. like, look at us, man. We're making it. If you told us that a couple of years ago on this show, we'd be shitting ourselves. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm just pissing Accurate. myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. All right, let's continue. I think okay. you're on seven. I am on seven. So my number seven is Bullet Train. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Guess what? I didn't see this, but I heard phenomenal things from you especially. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, directed by David Leach. Uh, screenplay by Zach uh, Olkiewicz. Apologies again. I'm sure that I got that wrong. Based on Maria Beadle. Well, she's probably going to be known as uh, Bullet Train when it gets published here by Kotaro Isaka. And I walked out of this film being like, it was a masterpiece. Oh, I, yeah. holy shit. I, I really thought so. <laughs> I, I thought that the script was incredibly fun. I really liked all of the characters. It's an ensemble about uh, assassins who all of their jobs on, this, on the titular Bullet Train are connected somehow. And the the way that each story is woven into one another is just brilliant. And there's jokes that get paid off in really great ways. There's sure. wonderful emotional beats. And um, the the two the twins, as they call them, these British assassins, they um, who it does appear that they were raised with uh, raised as brothers. Um, they. They are a tremendous amount of fun. Their back and forth is spectacular. Uh, they are definitely a highlight. So their emotional beats that they have are the strongest in the film. Really strong actors. And um, I was, <laughs> when I was looking up all my information, I was surprised to see that it had a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, oh, you thought it was going to have like a 99 fucking 100% Citizen Kane bullet train. I, I thought at least an 80. Toy Story 3. I don't know. I, I I didn't hear about it after it came out. It it's just a delight, and I. It's so it, nice to hear. It it's the screenplay that really sings. I mean, obviously, it's very visually sumptuous, but but the, the screenplay, like the just the jokes and the setups and the payoffs and the um the final reveal of uh the White Death, who's been whispered about the entire movie when when he's finally revealed and he's quite the actor I, I just remember like squealing in my seat like oh him tell and me who it is tell me <laughs> i i always mess up his uh, michael shannon i believe oh terrific yeah. he's so good at everything oh my he God. is yes like dying michael to shannon. watch his dying to watch his uh george jones tammy wynette series i think it's him mm-hmm. and 
Jessica Chastain. And it just, I, you know, sometimes things can just be fun and wildly entertaining and clever. And, you know, I'm obviously a big fan of like anime and things like that. So the the Japanese setting is another plus for me. And it just was neon and silly and just a good time. That's dope, dude. That's um, I, it was interesting. It was advertised heavily on ESPN, uh, NBA on ESPN or whatever. It was doing like collab commercials with like th- those those two humorous assassins you're talking about. Not Pitt, mm-hmm. but those two mm-hmm. were doing like original commercials with like different NBA stars. You know, they weren't great, but those guys were funny um, mm-hmm. because it, unfortunately NBA stars mostly aren't that good at acting, at least in those commercials. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it advertised out the ass and it seemed like a movie I would have expected our boy Jake S. Weissman to be just raving about because it it's got Brad Pitt in it. Am I crazy? It did. Yeah. He, he plays Jake's Ladybug. Such a, J- Jake's such a Brad Pitt fan and he's also kind of like, I don't know. I feel like it's an action comedy, right? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I just feel like it'd be up his alley and I'm happy it's up yours. That means I'll probably dig it too. Um... But yeah, I didn't hear a ton about it, and it felt like it was com- it came out when there was sort of a lull, didn't it? it was it mm-hmm. like September or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it was just regardless. nice. Like I, I got I got to see it with a good crowd who was just like, and the fight scenes and just like it's it's just one of those ones that you just get really pumped up about. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah! And you saw mm-hmm. it, you see it with a big crowd. I saw it with a not a. Well, yeah, I did see it in a in a big crowd in a movie theater, but I saw it with like a couple of friends who were all like really on the bullet train, as it were. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! You're you should <laughs> you should work in marketing. You're selling, <laughs> you're, you're selling this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I am gonna go next. We're on mm-hmm. number seven, mm-hmm. and I have the Northman. Oh, um, I know it's from Robert Eggers, but I think he has a co-write. Let me see. It's just because you did. You're so prepared. And then I'm like, well, I should do that. I should probably say who made what. But I know it's Robert Eggers because he's all over that poster, too. I did the same thing when I made my bleed purple poster. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like the Northman poster with Eggers. Just name on it all over the place. But you got to take credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him for that. I think this is also like he didn't edit this one. I think the studio did. This feels like very much as okay screenplay by Robert Eggers and I believe I believe it's an Icelandic poet, novelist, lyricist, and screenwriter. I believe uh, they go by Sjön, S J O with a swish and then N. Um, how interesting it, it feels, it plays as such, because this movie is, I mean, it's quite literally trippy because there's like some Viking drink, drinketh from this shit and go on a vision quest and stuff in it, which is phenomenal. Um, I like the witch a lot and I really dig, uh, the lighthouse. I like the witch more surprisingly mm-hmm. cause I'm a big Pattinson fan, but it was cool to see Eggers reunite with Anya Taylor-Joy. She ends up on this list twice for me. And then it's one of the Skarsgård boys that's just killing it. Um, the movie is like, in short, if if you didn't see it or don't know what it's about, uh, Ethan Hawke is this like, I, I mean, 
I don't know if it's, I mean, let's say Norse. They're, they, they follow Norse mythology. Basically he's like a Viking King and he gets like betrayed by his brother uh, and murdered. And uh, his brother takes the throne and his child escapes. And the movie has his child swearing he'll seek revenge. And uh, his child grows up into a very strapping young lad and decides to exact just that and like infiltrate his old village and there's like a scene where uh nicole kidman who's like his mom like kind of tries to seduce him a little which is very confusing Mm -hmm. um (laughs) willem defoe's in it just being phenomenal as always uh i don't want to give everything away but i guess i'm making you spoil stuff so it's bill skarsgård i think it's that's pennywise the clown um i'm sure that's how he wants to be remembered (laughs) <laughs> Although, why not? Because he, he crushes it as Pennywise. He's a fucking he icon, does. But, Genuinely terrifying. Um, absolute, absolute hunk in this movie. I'm also a huge Ethan Hawke fan, so there's that. Um, but I really, really dug it, man. I, I don't think it made a ton of money. Uh, I think it could be called the flop at the box office. Um, but people liked it. Robert Eggers is critically acclaimed. I think this is as close as he's gotten to mainstream because the witch was not i guess the witch and um the lighthouse are not exactly the most accessible films in their genre uh this feels like him trying to play ball with the studio and it's still a trip of a movie and it's still um important to watch the subtitles just like the other two um but I, I I highly recommend it. It's it's badass. <laughs> it's like the only way to exp- explain it. It's a badass movie. I I remember hearing like really great things about it when it was out in theaters. I I missed this one, but it's it's so nice to hear you to hear that you enjoyed it. Uh, it it's, Dude, I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. It's sick. It's like Ethan Hawke is like a cool fucking king wounded in battle and shit and fucking him and his kid are getting on their knees and doing this cool trippy drink and howling at the moon. And that's just how it starts. Like, and you're (laughs) like, well, okay, I'm in on this one. And it just becomes like a classic revenge tale. Like, but in a, in a very, very brilliant stylized way, like they're like fighting on a fucking like volcano and shit. It's like, it's it's an epic third act and i i cheer for it i cheer i cheered when i watched it i watched it by myself one night and i was like right (laughs) when it came to digital and i was just like oh oh yeah i'm just like the whole time like it feels like a total dudes movie too not that it's not accessible to everybody i think it is but there's not tons of tons of movies i feel like where they become like oh this is this is what dads would would show their sons or something like when i was a kid uh, like my dad was like, watch Tombstone. We're gonna watch Tombstone. We're gonna watch Goodfellas. We're gonna watch Braveheart. Like you know, there are these dude movies. The Northman mm-hmm. feels like the first one in a long time. That's like, all right, man. This is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's all about. We're gonna fucking, fucking fight, fight the people that killed our fathers with a sword and shit like that. So that's me. Very cool. Um. We're at number six now. Six. And uh, my number six is The Bad Guys. Uh, directed by Pierre Parafel. Uh, screenplay by Ethan, or Ethan Cohen. Based on The Bad Guys by Aaron Blabby. His series of books. So, it's animated? Yes. I'm trying to picture the poster. Yeah, it's the animated. 
All right. It's, so, uh, for that context, it's basically in stories there are there are always animals that are the quote unquote bad guys, and this tale kind of reimagines like what if they were mm. a reservoir style gang that went around mm. doing heists. Sounds kind of like hoodwinked. Also, it had a little bit of Zootopia vibes in, in the sense of that animal that you think is bad. Actually, like, what if they were good? What if they just were told that they were bad their entire lives and they oh, just oh nice yeah who, who mm-hmm. put this out, Katie? What 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 a production company? Sony, I think. Okay, I think it was Sony, but nice. it's it's gorgeous. Um, it's some of the most fun animation of this year. And granted, to be fair, I did not see Puss in Boots. Everybody's been raving about Puss in Boots the last week. Have they? Yeah. I, wow. That, mm-hmm. That's a really, that's an awesome surprise. Good for them because like they could just catch in on how big of a meme Shrek is and just make a movie in the Shrek franchise. Cause they know like TikTokers, like not TikTokers, but like, you know how Minions was like, this movie doesn't have to be any good because people are coming to see it and it happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like Shrek is so popular you could have not put any effort into a Puss in Boots sequel. So that's really cool to hear that it's good. Oh yeah, it's apparently phenomenal. Got nominated for the Oscar and everything. Um, I'll have to sit down and watch it at some point. But I I have a real soft spot for this in part because I listened to Aaron Blabby. He was on Mark Maron's podcast talking about um, how he kind of came to be a children's writer later in life. Like he was a struggling writer for years and went into advertising for a bit to try to make some money and was miserable and then just followed his bliss and became the guy that created bad guys. And now he's a New York Times number one best-selling author. So rad. Mm-hmm. That's so I awesome, find man. that kind of inspirational. And oh, the animation, like it takes inspiration from the likes of Lupin the Third and Sherlock Hound, these wonderful wonky expressions. Um and it's Sherlock Hound sounds funny. I don't even oh, know what yeah. it is. It's cute. It's cute. You should check it out. Um and my famous perform my favorite performance actually comes from Mark Marin who plays Mr. Snake. And he pro- provides that character with the right amount of edge with sweetness underneath, which is very important for your kid film. And also, when I went to go see it in theaters, there, you know, they do the 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 break from Act Two to the third act, where like the, you know, they got a break up and they're mad at each other, Mr. Wolf yeah. and Mr. Snake. So sad. And this little boy who clearly had never seen that happen in a movie before, just <sighs> he just stood up and he went, "They quit being friends." No. <laughs> oh my God! Isn't it fun to see movies still work? like oh that is so nice i like i become that little kid all the time i'm not an inquisitive viewer at all i'm like Mm. very much like try to let movies i don't even try it i can't i can't even claim the credit for trying i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm just a little kid being like you mean they break up as friends like when i'm watching anything (laughs) taylor's not like that like as Mm -hmm. you know like taylor is like she finds the ending in like the first act, and I'm like, "Well, that wasn't that was a waste of money." Yeah, <laughs> fucking, we gotta, we gotta, gotta go on a journey. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. It's Do you have any other thoughts cute. on it? Um, I just 
it was just really fun. Like, the, the voice talent is really great, the way that they play with expectations. There are some things that you figure out pretty early on, like the mayor character being an ex-bad guy, as it were, uh, being a reformed bad guy. You, you pick up on that pretty early, but it's still delightful when it's revealed. There's a fun dance sequence. It's just, it's just a good time, and I just love seeing playful, fun action animation. Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm I'm thrilled for you because like that's that's your wheelhouse, and I feel like some years are um, more barren than others when it comes to the animation landscape. And I think there's even still like awful controversies and disrespect happening with like in, within the animation world, be it mm-hmm. with like WBD and stuff in that merger and people's work getting dumped and stuff like that. So I just hope for like. I hope that the world of animation keeps getting love. Criterion finally released an animation movie. And I don't know if it's his first, <laughs> but like they, they, they have a Disney collab and released Wally, And I think that's at least a step in the right direction uh, in terms of uh, that. Cause I remember, um, I, I know that that's, that's a thing that people put on criterion a lot is where are the animation movies? Why don't you consider that mm-hmm. historically prominent film? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that, that there's bangers still coming out. Oh, just just a great year that's awesome dude um all right number six for me uh is everywhere everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. and i really like and i want to read i want to read just like if you google this movie like if you're joe blow this movie says when an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. That, plus the title being what it is, Everything Everywhere All at Once, it sounds like a movie that is, um, like requires effort, and it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like It sounds like, a, I, that to me sounds like, oh my god, I, I, don't, I don't want a movie to... To, to be a pain in my ass that movie sounds like i don't know what the fuck i'm walking into and i just don't <laughs> want anybody to be put off by that notion because you don't know what the fuck you're walking into um but for the better uh this movie this movie <laughs> at its at its simplest is talking about like the beauty the beauty of life and love and relationships and timing and and death and, and just like fundamental truths and sadnesses but then at its like at its most complex it's doing like oh my god like so much (laughs) like it's being like it's like you're getting touched by the finger of god or something on your brain and you're like you're seeing the life of uh, that everybody's ever lived through all eternity (laughs) like that that, it does feel that big and like yet yet it's 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 served to you in in these slices that are so funny and so weird and so strangely familiar you know what i mean that it ends up being uh just an essential an essential uh movie going experience so uh all the love it's getting is great Uh, i hope it i hope it rakes in awards it's it's already it already is um and it deserves every bit of it it's a movie that i think a knee-jerk from I think there could always be a knee jerk to call this movie overrated, but I, I really recommend giving it a chance. I have this one on my list as well, but I will wait for when it pops up. 
That makes uh, sense. I have a yeah. feeling it's probably higher. <laughs> if not I, the highest. Yeah, I really loved it. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I kind of slept on it. Like I didn't see it immediately. Um I didn't catch it in theater like everybody said to. So, I'm a dumbass, but um I promise it still rocks <laughs> and you guys should check it out on digital or physical or wherever the fuck you watch movies. Um I really like I really liked it, man. It, it's just um and it kind of goes back to what I was also saying earlier about um original scripts. I want original scripts. I think um I think these are the guys, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Shiner. Did they do uh, Paul Dano and... Swiss Army Man. Yes, thank you, mm-hmm. Swiss Army Man. It was uh, Dana Radcliffe as well. So I, and so A24 is obviously like these dudes, happy they got to do another one for them. Happy to see, happy to see it be like, you know, just like the last one. Like if you describe that other movie, it's like, well, that doesn't seem... I don't know about that movie. And then you watch it and it serves you exactly what you're looking for in a way you didn't expect it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in, in all the heart and warmth you can bring to a movie like this. So it's, it's dope. There's no other, be- there's no other better way to describe it. It's like I could get on a soapbox and tell you everything about the Northman, And I'm going to end with it being like, that was pretty badass. Like, you know what I mean? The fucking mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once was dope. Like that's a dope movie. Go check it out. Okay, going on over to number five. Five. I had the menu on mine, which we've already discussed. So let's go to your number five. Five is an animation movie, Katie. Ooh. Uh, Starring Buzz Lightyear. Ah. Uh, This movie, (laughs) Lightyear from Disney Pixar. Um, It's very important that it goes in my top five. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say that um, critics, I wouldn't say that the general moviegoer would walk away being forever changed by Lightyear, but it exists. I feel like it strangely exists just for me. Um, I'm a huge, 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 huge Toy Story fan. It's my favorite movie ever. Um, Oh my God. Like, I, I, I just love Toy Story. I love Buzz Lightyear. Anything to spin out or expand that story huge for me i remember when buzz lightyear of star command came out and my mom let me rent that tape and i was like fuck yes they're doing more with buzz this is so cool i i didn't say that i was fucking like a five-year-old <laughs> kid <laughs> but i was really really excited actually i was probably like eight seven or eight when that came out but um so when i heard about this i was like oh nice so this is so this is about buzz lightyear if he existed or it's about the toy and, and and so I think that was part of the issue with the marketing. And um, I think if people were given this flick without the kind of confusing, weird angle of marketing, no offense to Disney because I'm buying all of it and I love them, but um, I think that maybe, maybe the movie would have done a little better because it's not really about Andy's toy. It's, supposed, it's posed to you in the opening of the movie. They really want you to know that this is the movie Andy saw that like leading like before the events of toy story and he saw this movie with his toys and this is what made him like buzz lightyear that doesn't super fit just based on the characters and the way the story goes in this movie i because i agree uh sorry to cut in really quick no go ahead i I feel like that that little beat kind of threw off the rest of the movie because we're supposed to Yes, we're supposed to understand that this is an action movie from the 90s. 
where there is openly gay characters. Yeah, um, and the animation's better than Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so it's like, so that that is such a, and it's like, if you watch this movie without that, which you don't get a choice, they put it at the beginning, but it feels mm-hmm. like a very late call. Um, the movie is more like 2001, A Space Odyssey and like Interstellar and like shit like that than it is Toy Story. Like th- if this is the movie Andy watched, that's some heady shit. Uh, this mm-hmm. movie is all about like, like this movie is like about time travel and like losing your loved ones over decades without being able to spend time with them because of your own mistakes and like granted old timey Disney movies and stuff like that go to the well and talk about you know they use metaphor in some fucked up ways but I think that's some (laughs) that's some pretty crazy shit and this movie also does a big twist with Zerg spoilers if you don't want to hear it skip ahead 30 seconds but they do a twist with Zerg uh, where Zerg is Buzz from a time loop, like a lot of weird time loopy shit, and so that's fucking weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I'm I at the end of the day, I love it so much just because like I'm thrilled it exists. Like it's very simple. Like I want anything. Like oh my god, there's a Buzz Lightyear movie. Br- give it. Like I put it on. <laughs> I I put it on uh, on silent before we started the episode. It's playing right now in my office. Like I. I get a kick out of it. I get a kick out of the side characters. I get a kick out of um, the little story. I love the robot cat socks. Um, I'm I, probably. I oh, did too. I really yeah. did. Because sometimes yeah. when you see the mascot at the beginning of the movie, you're kind mm-hmm. of like, ah, this is either going to be really enjoyable or not really enjoyable. We'll and, see about you. Yeah. And socks was great. I really like socks. Socks cracked my shit up socks is probably the best part of the movie and you know it's like that's the other like this movie's marred with like every kind of controversy you could think of like what didn't somebody say that they like castrated the character by making it not tim allen and making it chris evans i can't remember who said that it was another comedian um but like it was like you know some people were put off by that i don't really care like i i i think it's fine that it's chris evans um i just think it you know of course it's a lot better if you don't if you don't make us view it through the angle of uh, it being the movie Andy saw, and I never do. I, I, I never do. I watch the movie for what it is, and I highly recommend you do the same. I want to get the director um, real fast because it's very respectful. Angus McLean, um, and I love seeing this adapted from Toy Story. Fuck, that's cool. I'm just such a big fan that I do. <laughs> I, like, I do want, like, just like a Marvel fan wants a, a trilogy of Ant-Man movies because they read bullshit fives and Ant-Man comics. Like, yes, I do. I, I do. Make it a big deal. Give me a random Lightyear movie. I'll take it. Um, Angus McLean's feature debut, directorial debut. So good for him. Uh, I you got, a, you got a fan in me. You've got a friend mm-hmm. in me. Uh, screenplay by Jason Headley and Angus McLean. I just wish that they would have... Oh, my God. Music by Michael G... Giacchino, I believe it is. He did the Batman this year too. What a year! Um, I I wish they would have been given the actual freedom to do what they did. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because the movie yeah, itself yeah, is is definitely its own product with characters and stuff that were absolutely invented solely for this plot. A plot that was invented wholesale that doesn't really... I mean, you could have done whatever you wanted. You could have brought back other Toy Story characters that we knew from the lore. You could have brought back aliens from Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, and they didn't. 
So I respect I respect the story for what it is, and I I I really would like a sequel. I doubt it happens. Um, I think they kind of thought this would be like ace in the hole money, so you can make your turning reds and stuff like that. That's kind of how it played to me. Um, but I'm all for um, more movies now that these space rangers are out and about and i think that if you get to play around in the world of like star command and the cartoon and and now the show is now if the movies are set up and we've already done that and we can actually explore as real space rangers because they don't really you know it is, it's a it's a hardcore origin movie too for this character um i want to see him being buzz lightyear not not being a fuck up so mm-hmm. I, I would love to watch more i almost slept on this movie Because I think that I was kind of unsure about it. Uh, Part of it, I do think, was the marketing. And just kind of this confusion of, like, what is this going to be? Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a good time. But my my roommate at the time, Craig, really wanted to go see it. And uh, one day, I got a couple of drinks in me. And I was like, now is the time to go see Lightyear. And I had a great time. Fuck yeah, Katie. You're so mm-hmm. right. That is the way to go see it. <laughs> they did, they did like the AMC at the Grove did like the Andy experience where I got this cool, po- like this cool poster and shit like that and everything else. Like, th- who is that for other than the 30 year old dude that's going to see it? Like, a kid can't pay for that. Mm-hmm. And a parent doesn't give a fuck. That's for me. And I had, <laughs> I got to take a cool fucking picture and everything else. It was fun. And I want, I want people, they can keep repackaging these movies this way that's totally fine like i'm i'm fine with that i actually prefer lightyear to toy story 4 to like continue to take the actual character and do things hurts my feelings way more than a hypothetical lightyear character movie you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it, i mean and whatever I, I fuck with toy story 4 just fine i it's not my favorite but you know decisions in that movie are made and it's almost like it's probably how some people not to this extent but like there are choices made and the Disney trilogy of Star Wars movies that really went against fundamental character things and upset old time fans were in Toy Story 4. Like you have Woody leave the gang behind and that hurts, man hurts your feelings. I haven't seen it since theater cause it hurt my feelings, but I support it mm-hmm. cause I'm a loyal fan of Toy Story. <laughs> um, You're very pure. But, oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, that's that for me on five. Great. And uh, my number four was turning red, which we've already discussed. So I'll turn it over to you for your number four. Four is the unbearable weight of massive talent, um, which we, we talked about. This is, that's good. Good for us. It all comes (laughs) back around. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really love the flick and like, I'm, I'm not as easy to please with comedy anymore. Like you got to put in some real effort for me. Um, I, I think I used to be a lot easier. Like, because it, it's not so much my favorite genre as it was when I was, like, 18. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, like, the random, like, stoner comedy on the shelf at Family Video um, isn't going to necessarily get the job done. This movie cracked me up through and through. Like, hilarious movie. Um, I kept watching it. I kept quoting it to Taylor, to much to her chagrin. No, I think she got okay <laughs> with it because she saw how happy it was making me. Mm-hmm. Like... Fucking even just like Nick Cage doing like the Nick Cage and putting like his hand in the other hand and like bowing and shit. Mm-hmm. Like just stuff like that is like, oh, they know. They know what they're doing <laughs> and they're so smart and good and they're so funny. And that's another movie that very much is like you relate to it pretty fucking hard uh, regardless, but you relate to it pretty fucking hard if 
you work in the industry or you're trying to work in the industry like us um it just plays like if you're a movie fan it's it's a it's a it's a fan or it's a movie for fans of movies and, and i really dig that um so number three for you now yes number three for me is glass onion a knives out story written and directed by ryan johnson speaking of the disney star wars <laughs> good for uh, him people love him oh i i love him um knives out was my favorite movie of 2019 if anyone wants to go dig up that uh, episode of the podcast uh and i wasn't sure did not recall that I did yeah not, i would have i did not recall that um <laughs> that's awesome i really like knives out one mm-hmm. oh i i just um I was so pumped in the theater when everything was being revealed for the first Knives Out, and it was just such a rollicking good time, and it looks completely different from Glass Onion, at least in a palette sense. The colors are completely different. The setting is different. So I was kind of kind of holding my, um, my enthusiasm back, I think because I didn't want to get hurt, because there's always that kind of danger with sequels. Like, what's so fun about you, Luke, is that you'll go into something, like, full hog. Like, yes, they made another one. Give me it. And yeah, me, I'm oh like... God. Godfather <laughs> 3, this, is, this isn't that bad. Yeah. Like, you guys, you guys are weird. No, totally. Thank you. Yeah. But but me, I'm like, I don't like I don't want to get my feelings hurt if it's, like, not as good as the first one, which is wrong. Like, that's... The, it, it, the, your enthusiasm is the real right way to go about things. <laughs> and I was gonna... I was honestly gonna wait for this to drop on Netflix. Um, and then Ned, who went to school with us, called me up and he's Ned like, O'Connor. Ned O'Connor. And he was like, so when are we going to go see Glass Onion? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess I could go see that in theater. And, um, I'm so glad I did, uh, because I just, I, gosh, I had such a good time. This, the parody of Elon Musk is hysterical oh, from start good. to finish. And the the twists and the way things peel back up to uh, Benoit Blanc is a very rare character, not just because he's gay, which is a fun piece of that character, but also because he, uh, he cares about the people that he's taking on the cases for, which is unusual. They've really figured that out. Like using him and how into it he is like daniel craig and stuff like Mm -hmm. they could make 10 of these like they've really figured that out that's a really awesome thing like it it it, you fucking you literally have the 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 modern version of like what they're doing for real for real with uh the agatha christie agatha christie movies uh Mm -hmm. with kenneth branagh like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and they they match each other so well (laughs) it's so funny um but I prefer, I think I prefer Ryan's version. Yeah. And it, um, I, I think it's really interesting how Ryan Johnson has kind of figured out, like, so we have Benoit Blanc, who is our point of, it, well, not our, our point of view of character for this film, but in Glass Onion and Knives Out, the real protagonists of those films are not Benoit Blanc, but the women of color at the center of it. And... It's just so clever how he kind of empowers them. Like, those are characters that start the film unsure or, like, kind of panicking. And over the course of the film, they kind of gain their power. So that's very interesting to see. Good call. Good call. And I've never 
rooted for the destruction of a classic work of art so much in my entire life. It, it had me absolutely howling. And I, I love when a director takes me on a ride. And this one was great. I just, what a delight. I, I can't wait for the next one. I, I bet you, I mean, and it's cool because the other one wasn't a Netflix picture, right? Like no. he, he sold the, was there like a bidding war for the rights or something on a sequel? You know, I'm, and, I'm unsure. I do know because the, the, it was a weird run because theatrically it only was around for like two weeks before. Really? Yeah. It was very strange. I think Netflix had a gamble on that one. I think they lost. Wait, I think wait, they, wait. So Netflix did the first one? Uh, no, Netflix did not do the first one. Okay, that's what I'm curious about, cause like, mm-hmm. cause like, so, and I know that I got a theatrical, and like, L. A. usually gets a Netflix theatrical, which is nice, mm-hmm. and like, New York and Chicago and stuff like that, and I, I wanted to go with you guys. I was invited as well, and I was ill. It was like I traveled so much and got delayed so much from the holiday, and then I was like, Bleh. but, um, where was I going with that? This is what happens. <laughs> Whatever, I can't remember. It's done. Mm-hmm. It's done. I'm done with that. So that was your three? That was my number three. Okay, cool. Uh, I ha- Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I was just like curious on who put out the first one because I, I feel like it's so interesting that they wouldn't want to do the sequel. And so I wonder if he was like, I just don't know how movie deals... I, I wish I knew more. But I wonder if like he was uh, like, yeah, I've, I, I'll retain the rights to this and I can walk somewhere else for a sequel if they offer me more money. And then a bidding war happened or something because it's so weird. Traditionally, you'd think you'd sign them on for that. I don't know. Whatever. My number three is I'll probably fuck up the title, but Ban- the Banshees of Inshiran. Ah. Um, this movie fucking rocked. And mm-hmm. when I think of Martin McDonough, actually, what comes to mind is Three Billboards because that was my introduction. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, oh, I do not want to do Three Billboards again. Not that it isn't a fantastic film, because it is, but it's heavy, and it's dealing with some hardcore stuff, and it, it doesn't really um, – it's not really one you put on for – it's not light year. You know, you don't put it on for a good time. Uh, it's a really heavy, thoughtful movie. Um, this is, too, but in a different way, a very pleasant, palatable way. Um, it's especially interesting to watch it have, uh, after having visited – ireland this summer but you know i wasn't just in dublin and galway like i went uh there for like a fan like taylor's stepdad has very deep-rooted family there he's only like first generation american himself um and so like they're off in this tiny village hours and hours train right away from uh from all those cities and so this movie felt very familiar just setting wise which was really really cool and unexpected because i'm not well traveled that's the first time i left the country but i just felt like oh it i recognize this it, it's int- like that is such an old country where and i'm sure they did you go shoot it now and it, it'll look the same there are these stone fences from fucking three thousand years ago and shit like it, it, it's just crazy so what a beautiful nation what a beautiful flick uh that that setting itself is just uh so wonderful to be in in the movie but uh, you have performances from Colin Farrell, who I've just long been an admirer of. I've always loved Colin Farrell since my days as a as a boy watching American Outlaws when he played Jesse James through him making me always cry and saving Mr. Banks. 
Um, very big fan. I love everything he does. Um, so that was good. And then it's I, and this is so fucking rude of me to say uh, Mad Eye Moody, but <laughs> I, I, am, I am going to right now uh, because I, I forgot that was him. Yes, I did too. Oh my gosh! I did too. Taylor pointed it out to me, and I was like, "Oh my god, phenomenal!" You don't even know, uh, in terms of that's how good of an actor you are that you're distinctive. Brendan Gleeson, uh, Carrie Condon also did really, really, really good. Uh, Barry Keegan is nominated for. I like aren't aren't the three dudes from this nominated for Oscars? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a hot take here, but basically. If I just can describe the plot to you, I'll just read the Google one. On a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Padrick is devastated when his buddy Combs suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. With help from his sister and a troubled young islander, Padrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. However, as Combs' resolve only strengthens, he soon delivers an ultimatum that leads to shocking consequences. I'll let you know, this movie's going fine and going fine and going fine, and it's funny and it's, like, light. And the dude's like, have you seen this, Katie? I have. Okay, good. Uh, the dude's like, you're gonna stop. You're gonna you're gonna stop talking because you're not getting the hint, or I'm gonna start cutting my fucking fingers off. And it's not like that. It's much better and it's beautiful. But that's what's going on from my mm-hmm. mouth, <laughs> and it's literal. And the movie just goes in a different direction, and it doesn't change tones completely. Um, it actually kind of keeps the same whimsical world that it's built on. Like the shoulders of the first act are really, really sturdy, um, but definitely dark turns happen and it's uh it's intense and it's sad and it's a movie that will catch you off guard because of how light and fun it all seems at first and you're enjoying the performances and the setting and everything where um that's when your heart's left unguarded you got to protect your neck and you Mm -hmm. do not protect your neck watching martin mcdonough's uh banshees of insurance and he sneaks up and snatches your soul (laughs) it's a good movie man um a very very sweet movie a movie that feels uh like a stage play in a lot of ways there's not a ton of settings it's a it's a lot of dialogue it's wonderful um it 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 just reminds me of what i really like about writing and language and film so i was pumped i uh it's it's also interesting because it has a very simple premise like what if this guy just decided to not be friends with this other guy before and the yeah. chaos that comes from that in this small town and how their uh their relationship and crumbling echoes a war that's going on within the country itself yeah. and um throughout all of this you have the put upon sister of Colin Farrell who is smart enough to leave <laughs> Because it sucks so bad. She's just looking around and she's like, there's nothing here. Everyone is very unhappy. And this whole situation just kind of jettisons her forward. And um, the true innocent of the film, Jenny the Tiny Donkey, uh, is a a loss. Like, you really feel that. Damn it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's heartbreaking. God, it's heartbreaking. And it's like, it's also like, I think everybody can... I don't know any self-conscious person. Let's do that. Any over any self-aware or self-conscious person can relate to Colin Farrell's lead here where it's like the anxiety of like, what if, what if like my best friend decided that I was dull and mm-hmm. they don't want to spend time with me anymore. That would, that's, that's the greatest fear of some people. Um, 
especially on 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 a dependent character like Colin Farrell. And so, um, you're right. That's the simplest thing in the world, and and yet, what spins out of it ends up being so, uh, yeah, e- easy to swallow in terms of like plot. It's like, oh, I I understand that, but the gravity of the situation and and what and what comes from it is, you know, really 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 impressive and i'm just so i'm so happy i'm so happy to get these movies that are really hilarious this year that are yeah that are are lifting like like amazing amazing weight in the story department like massive weight of unbearable talent is billed as a comedy and everybody knows it's a comedy and yet that script fucking bangs Mm -hmm. but then you look at like everything everywhere all at once and that's a comedy dude like that's mm-hmm. a comedy. This movie we're talking about right now, Banshees, is a comedy, and they're they're knocking it out of the absolute park. The menu is a comedy, like you know what I mean. And that script is tighter than hell. Like, this is really cool. Th- th- we should we should talk about this. Like that like that's a very cool thing to see. Um, these funny movies that are also these thick, awesome scripts. And you know, yeah. On one hand, you get Martin McDonough, and he gets to do what he wants now. He's Oscar boy, and he's has a very long history of work i mean he's from theater world too and so the mm-hmm. dude works but you know to to see uh other stuff like these aren't some of these other, some of this other stuff's from newbies like these everything everywhere all at once kids aren't that aren't that uh aren't that seasoned right and um i don't know about the director of massive weight but it's just nice i'm just happy to see it not everything has to be um intense and and dramatic and stuff uh to be amazing not that that's bad but it's nice to to have comedy help serve up those lessons too but that's all i got okay then uh i'll mosey on over to number two two and uh i probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of this but uh so the way that we come up with our list is how much we enjoyed them <laughs> like um it's it's not what is the best answer what's the correct answer no no it's not definitive rankings it's it's just um like like what did you really really enjoy this year and um like in in terms of banshees i i thought it was great but i i never vibed with it I, I really? thought, like, the performance is great. The writing is great. It's great. I'm glad it's getting all the awards. But sometimes something is good, and you just don't vibe with it for whatever reason. Sure. Oh, it happens to me frequently. Mm-hmm. I was just cracking up at it. I, I was. Oh, it's very was funny. Bef- That's what it is for me. Is like, I actually don't think I'm a... I don't think I'm a super easy laugh. I actually don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I live to make other people laugh. Like, that's my favorite thing. So when like the office still makes me laugh out loud and that's why i still rewatch it um and massive weight did that but this movie did that too like i was cracking up at punchlines mm-hmm. abbott elementary is one that's got me cracking up too i won't lie in terms of the tv world that's a funny ass show all of this is a prelude for for me to be like it's funny to go from the oscar nominated banshees to my number two pick which is um have you heard the good news about fresh Directed uh, by Mimi Cave and written by Lauren Kahn. 
there's no there's no bad jump and bad movie brunch man. i want to i want to hear all about it I'm, okay. I'm not like i'm not this prestige cat for the most part i got light mm-hmm. in the top five yeah this is why we're friends so um this one had me this was love at first trailer sometimes that happens where you just see a trailer for something and it just grabs you i Sing i have straight oh yeah oh my gosh and i I felt like this is for me. And that only happens a handful of times where I, I feel like, hey, you nerd, you're going to like, you're going to sit down, you're going to watch this and you're going to love it. And this was one of those. I made I made the very interesting choice of watching it at like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. And I it's my most watched film of the year. I just can't wow. get enough of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. How about that, dude? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I love a rewatch movie so deeply. That's what I, I really want out of a movie is one that I can watch a hundred times. Oh, yeah. And I love watching people watch it for the first time. Hell yeah. Like, that's really fun for me. Um, and this this movie centers around this uh, woman in Portland, funnily nice. enough, who nice. is, she's single and she's dating around and... This is, again, like the the film that this could be compared to. Another one that came out this year was Men. Where I I feel like uh, the the writer and director were really trying to make a point about the horror of men as experienced by women. And I felt like that one really missed the mark. Yeah. Alex Garland. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel like it really missed the mark. But this gets it. It gets the, it really answers the question, like, really, what's the worst that could happen if, uh, on a date? And, um, it's, it's just this incredible performance by your very own Winter Soldier. Um. Hey. He, he is. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, he's just killing it. He. I love him. He has an amazing charisma. He's a great villain. He, he's giving, he's giving Ted Bundy in this film. It's. It, it's just great. It's it's so much fun, and um, the uh, it, it, it's just the unease. Like, like, there's a lot of setup in the film. It takes about 30 minutes to get where it's going to go. But once you're there, you're, like, trapped. And it's like, where is this going to go? How is this going to play out? And you get the sense that, like, something... It's called Fresh, and... there's imagery of meat and you're like okay i kind of get the feeling that there's going to be some kind of cannibal stuff from from the trailer but you're not entirely sure how it's going to play out until you see it and um usually i'm not a fan of gore i'm not a fan of uh violence or anything like that and the the brilliance of of this movie is that it's it holds back a lot of that there's um that's good i i can respect that because i also hate gore Oh gosh, I, I can't stand it. It's it's much more about the unease of the situation. You do see like <laughs> some of its like artful props, I would say, but it's it's not like grotesque. It's it's very well done. There's a lot of like strange dance sequences in it, and um, I just think it's interesting how they 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 took this nice guy villain. And um, really made him terrifying. And what really saves the main character, Noah, in the end is the strong relationships that she has with other women. Her best friend, Molly, 
uh, tries to is trying to track her down, and she uh, befriends a fellow captive who is in the same situation she is, and they help bolster each other and keep each other sane throughout it. And um, then, of course, there's the the woman. There's another woman who is another antagonist who is keeping these women in a situation that she used to be in. And there's not a lot of time spent on it. It's all implied. But it's, it, it just feels very real. Like, 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 you know, like, as a woman, you recognize women who decide to align with power to bring other women down. And it, it, it just was poetic in that way. And it, it felt like a real, like, women's horror film. Feminine rage all around, and I dug it. Kind of, it sounds like thematically, like what I like so much about Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was last year, or the year before. Whereas that movie is, um, you know, bleak, absolutely bleak, but um, and doesn't necessarily end on the most hopeful of notes. And you could argue, um, I thought that movie was phenomenal, but it sounds like. Um, that kind of when when you hear it from from the horse's mouth they often um like women can depict the horrors of men better than a dude can guessing like mm-hmm. that's just i i feel uh obvious but i'm glad that it like comes across as such and i'm and i'm i actually hadn't heard of this flick um it's fucking i don't know what's wrong with me like falling under the radar on on movies and stuff so i'm really i'm really thrilled to check it out Oh, it's a Hulu. It's a Hulu original. <laughs> that's why I didn't see it. Yeah, because... no one saw it. <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. I'm like, where the fuck is this at? Like, uh, so okay, that's that. Help, thank you, because mm-hmm. that makes me feel somewhat better about myself. I'm like, what? A Sebastian Stan theatrical? It sounds like it should be getting so award good. Buzz. Oh, um, that sounds awesome, dude. I'm happy to hear it. Are we yeah. on to number two for me. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, Nope, written and directed by Jordan Peele. Oh. Um, did you see this flick? I did, yeah. This flick fucking rocks. Um, this is, you know, yet again, uh, some of the some of the some of the dopest scripts in my opinion this year. Some of the scripts I really love the most um, have roots in comedy. Of course, Jordan Peele has a horror trilogy now, but they're always. Uh, not without humor. He's obviously comedy. He's he's better than anybody. I think really helped me realize as a as a viewer and as a as a aspiring filmmaker just how just how similar the beats between horror and comedy actually are. Um, they have a lot in common just on the page and where things need to go, and laughing and laughing and crying and being thrilled by a joke and being thrilled by a jump scare and stuff like that. They, they flirt with each other in the brain and in the heart. And that's really riveting to me. This movie is so much more of like a spectacle in a Mm -hmm. way. This movie's huge. Not that. And then, you know what? Us was huge, but only at the very, very end. Like us is kind of like us is kind of similar to, like night of the living dead or something where there is a fucking 
huge thing happening outside in the world, but we are with this group of people and we don't really understand how big the scope of it is. Us has that shot at the end where everybody, like it's like the whole fucking world and shit. It's like hands across America and that whole theme. But uh, this movie's like, no, dude, like alien picture. And they don't fuck around with that. They're like, here's an alien picture. And I respect the hell out of Jordan Peele for that. Um, I will watch anything that that dude brings to the table. Um, and I always walk away satisfied. And I'm I'm thrilled that I think after Get Out, there could be an instinct to make, you know, these movies that are really similar to Get Out. And I actually don't find Us or Nope to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nope really shown for me because I love 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 daniel kaluuya i loved him in get out i loved him i i was thrilled that he won the oscar for uh uh oh my god with lakeith stanfield oh my god did i smoke away this movie (laughs) what did he win an oscar for judith judas and the black messiah um and also like this movie tricks you so many times like it's like it's kind of like delivering on what signs did like it scares the shit out of me a little it thrills me a little but like the the story makes like sense <laughs> you know what i mean and like uh i also something i really appreciate and i think something you can't escape as a as a filmmaker once you've been in the business you always see that movie i think you inevitably see that movie where a filmmaker now the thing they have to talk about and relate to is film so this movie far more than the other two is about making movies Mm. this movie is set with with within well within the film industry and people that work in film like our main characters daniel kaluuya and, and his family are like they are they work in they they their animals are for movies they work in the in the industry they work in hollywood uh, this movie has like, you know, characters like there's a cin- there's a rogue cinematographer they hire who's like, who agrees to try and film this this spaceship like because he wants the perfect shot and like you know what I mean like it's all very much about making movies uh, in in a way that I find really fun and and not not as inside baseball as it may seem like Kevin Kevin Smith did this with Jane Saw and Bob Strike Back like that's a movie about making movies like now you're in the industry and this is what you want to talk about and I think. Um, it shows like, and, and I, and I actually enjoy it. It tickled me. What about you? I, this is another instance of like, I really respect it, but I didn't vibe with it. Okay. Um, I, and I, I mean, I was following it. Like I was really interested in, I didn't see the trailer that spoiled a bunch of stuff. I missed that I didn't one. I know there somehow. was one. I didn't get spoiled on shit. Yeah, I didn't either, which thank goodness. But like when the, the website dropped for, um, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's it's Jupe's, uh, the 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 fictional, uh, place that um the 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 kid actor played by Stephen Young has in the movie. Oh man, that was so fucked up. Yeah, there's a there's Ugh. a web there was a website that came out of it, and um there is like the happy version where there's like the cartoon, uh mascot which is so cute. It's such a well designed mascot. And then mm-hmm. if you stay on the page a little bit too long, things get dark and it gets mm-hmm. really spooky and un- uneasy. Um, and I-, I thought that was really interesting. And I-, I was really pumped to go see the movie. 
And then I, um, it just, I just didn't, didn't vibe with it. There, there's parts of it that I really liked. I think that it's brilliant that the alien ended up, like, what we think is the spaceship ended up being the alien. And the way that, um, Daniel Kaluuya's character, who can't look people in the eye, is the natural choice for not looking animals in the eye. And he, yeah, it's a great script. And he's able to, uh, figure out how to corral the alien the way he's able to corral horses because he's an animal trainer. It's very, very clever in that way. Um, Seems like it has a lot to say about, a lot to say about that theme because mm -hmm. like Steven Yoon's whole arc is about that too. Like it's one of those things of like, you know, you make, you dress up a, you dress up, literally you dress up a, a chimp and and human clothes and make him sing and dance. It's only so long before they remind you like about nature, uh, and that's presented in a really horrific way at the beginning, and uh, that kind of idea is sort of, like totally affects all of these main characters in different ways. It feels like uh, both literally and figuratively. And there's that fabulous setup where Stephen uh, Stephen Yoon's character as a child. Uh puts his palm to the monkey and they have this kind of quiet oh, moment. Yeah. And which he's not looking at the chimp, which he doesn't remember when he's an adult. He thinks that he he misremembers that moment from his childhood as being like he has a connection with animals. And so he believes that he can conquer this otherworldly alien. And it's it's a very excellent setup of uh, hubris and um, why somebody would think that. And it's because he survived, and um, it um it, it, it very clever, very good script. I'm glad that it's getting the recognition it deserves. It's just sometimes you just don't vibe with certain things, and I I wish that I liked it more than I did. But uh, it was fabulous seeing a live action Akira bike slide in a yeah. movie. Yeah, that is cool. I I I, I that was spoiled for me, but I didn't care because I thought mm -hmm. it was sweet. Um, he just rocks. I love like. Uh, I look at this list and I see a lot of original scripts, mm -hmm. not based on nothing, um, and that feels good. Like, and I'll, that's really go ahead. I'll see anything he puts out, honestly. Yeah, I, I think he's, uh, I think um, he's steadily given movies that are a little easier to take, for better or worse, too. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think Get Out is phenomenal, and it. I've never seen a crowd in my life, just speaking as a theater employee, react. Uh, the way a crowd has reacted to get out mm -hmm. never the loud the cheers the screams the sold out seats for for weeks like i've never seen anything like it it was a phenomenon but it wasn't necessarily thematically i i think that you know there's probably a good chunk of the movie going audience that are white people that don't want to be challenged by what's going on in get out mm -hmm. and uh i think us was fun because it was sort of, I don't know. I think people could sort of, it, it was it was more spectacle than the first one. And then now it's like, this is full on spectacle alien movie. And I, I really, really dig how much, like how much bigger he seems to be willing to go each time. All right. We non, are we on number one for you? We're on number one. Oh my God, do it. <laughs> so uh, my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, good. That's a good movie. <laughs> Which we've touched on a little bit. Um, of course, written and directed by the Daniels. Um, I, I remember having this thought at the beginning of the film because it, it takes a while for it to get to the, the mind-bending 
points. It, it You start with the family drama. And I felt very strongly like if this was just the movie, I would be perfectly happy. I remember thinking that in the theater and just being like, I'm really enjoying this. I kind of don't want to be pulled away from it. And then the Daniels just took me on this amazing trip with their... At the core of it, it is a family drama. It is about very simple things, but then it's about everything, everywhere, all at once. These... this mind-bending fun. This, it's, it's so weird. And it's so nice to see something weird. To see, like, the way that you can unlock the other, the other Evelyns and their memories and their skills from the different realms is like, I don't know, you have to, like, chew gum or put gum, like, like just the, the weird things that you have to do. You have to, like, punch a guy or, like, eat a booger or something to, like, th there, there's different keys. And they're just so strange. Like, that's something I would never come up with. And I, it was, it was funny so much, um... And, uh, being, you know, being someone's gay daughter who has that experience of being, um, you feel that shame. That, that shame is something that never really leaves you. It's, it's, and to try to, try to convince your parent, like, I want you to recognize this person that I love, this part of me that I am, that you can just tell our older relatives about it, and... It, it, it really messes you up when you feel the weight of that shame. And they, this movie was not marketed at all that there was going to be a queer element at, anywhere in it. And so it was a tremendous surprise when, when that was the case. And the way that they play with Joy being the antagonist to her mother in a different realm because they're playing out this big global drama of just her mom just being unable to handle the fact that she's gay is... Oh, it just struck me. It it because that's how it feels. It feels like 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 it's that big when you're in it. And I I can only imagine what it must feel like for like to, to get really personal for for my parent who didn't know how to deal with me. And um I'm sure like in some instances I felt like the antagonist in his life in this this kind of way of like I don't know how to deal with this person, they're pushing themselves on me, and it's just, it, it, it can feel like that, it can, you can feel trapped. But what's, one of the funny things that happens in the movie is that uh, Evelyn in one of the realities is gay, or she at least is, has a, a lover <laughs> played by Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and they're deliriously happy. There, there is a version of her who has that experience that she's just so ashamed of in in the reality. And um, one of the things that the Joy, uh, Evelyn's daughter, brings up is just this d disappointment and just kind of put-offness that Evelyn, the one thing that she just can't handle, like all this crazy stuff is going on, but she just is still hung up on the fact that Joy likes girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like that, oh, that hits so home. That's great, dude. And I'm, oh, I'm not trying to cut you off one bit. I'm just like oh, no. that's just a just a nice thing to hear. It um, I feel like everybody that I went to go see this with, and I'm, I am glad I got to see this in a big group in theaters. We all were hit by it in different ways, and um, these just very tremendously real performances and this script that I just I, I left the theater and I was like I can't wait to get a copy of that. 
and figure out how they did this. What does that Hell look yeah. like? What does that action line look like? How does this transition work? I, it's all I could think about. Well, I, I mean, after the movie, during the movie, I was so in it that I, I, I had a friend that put it best, which is watching everything everywhere all at once is like, you're a sponge. And you get dunked in water, you get wrung out, and then you get dunked back in again. And it's it's exhausting. It's it's overwhelming, but it's it's joyous and great. And you just are so grateful for everything around you because there's this element of nihilism, but it's happy nihilism. Like, <laughs> because nothing matters, everything matters. Like, you just got to take joy in the here and now and... I know that a lot of people, they, they take away Wayman's, like, in another life, I would have been happy just to do laundry with you. Like, like that really, really hits people. And uh, that, that guy does this, does great performance, and I, I hope he, I hope he gets the Oscar. And I, but it, it's the mother-daughter stuff that did it, did it for me, and um, it's just, just the love that all these people have for each other, and how they let each other down, and how they try. That's, the core of it and that's what makes it so good and I knew this was going to be my favorite movie of the year when I saw it back in March and just nothing nothing could touch it not even fresh that's great man I'm like it's so funny because I saw this movie and loved it and I wasn't even thinking I'm like yeah of course of course you relate to that I didn't even cross my mind I was like and I and I did, you know, of course, uh, naturally gravitate toward the character that represents me, which would be the, you know, the dude who's uh, the dude who's married, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just and just and just, you know, living a, living a life with his wife. I, I relate to married life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really. Yeah, that, that's that's so nice. I I I think that your sponge metaphor is or no, you, it's a simile. You said like, <laughs> um your sponge simile is uh is really apt and yet i still stick by what i said too and that as big as this all sounds it's for everyone Mm -hmm. like it it, it, it's not i i find when there is hype or there's a franchise or there's a fan base or anything like that i can be timid to try it and i think that this movie is going to get a lot of awards and it's going to have a lot of hype as it should but I don't want that to like, I, I just wouldn't want that to ward anybody off because as big and as daunting and as massive as the movie is, I think everybody gets it. Like it's not, it's not, it's not like it's too complex for anybody to get. It, uh, which, and which I think it's cool. Yeah. And I, I had friends who like have experiences, who, you know, you were Asian and grew up with Asian parents and they, they found real meaning in that. And, found themselves like i saw a lot of people like like leaving the theater just kind of like in a daze because <laughs> it, it it really made them feel seen and um it's huge and it happened with all of my friends we all saw something in it that really gut punched us i was sobbing i sobbed and then they had me laughing about an alternate universe where harry shum is like doing ratatouille but it's a raccoon and he's just running Dude, down the street. <laughs> Rakakuni. I kept Rakakuni. wondering. I'm like, how the fuck did they get away with the Rakakuni stuff? Mm-hmm. That like, I mean, they must have paid. Like mm-hmm. Pixar must have been like, we cool. But how silly. It's so silly. It's so how funny. How does that stay in your script all the way through? Do you know how not, like, do you know how little a studio has to fuck with a vision? 
like <laughs> to to let Rakakuni happen. I'm serious. <laughs> like that does like if if it, Katie, if <laughs> any of us bring that script to the table in school mm-hmm. and they have the Rakakuni r- runner written, <laughs> it's it, it, we make it, we demand they change it. Mm-hmm. And yet. It works. The beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing mm-hmm. about letting filmmakers of the vision have their vision and see it through uh, can often have amazing results. Cool, man. Yeah. Is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. Number one for me would be. You ready? I am ready. Elvis. Really? Directed by Baz Luhrmann. Oh, I'm so uh, excited to hear you talk about by this. By Baz Luhrmann, Sam Bromell, Craig Pierce, Jeremy Donner. I really, really, really love Austin Butler as Elvis, man. Mm-hmm. I cannot get enough of Austin Butler as Elvis. And that is one of two or three main reasons why it ends up taking this number one spot. I um I definitely associate Elvis with my dad. My dad was a big fan. Mm-hmm. I went to Graceland with my dad and brother. And so I think I mentioned on the show, if you go back, but when I saw that trailer, I was like, fuck. Like, that trailer made me cry. Like, I was like, I'm in for it when this movie happens. And, you know, I really like biopics. Um, I really like, and, and I like, I like biographies. I like reading them. I, I think that's cool. I like, I like learning about people that are real, um, just as much as I like a good fictional story that's based on just something out of somebody's brain. And the story of Elvis itself is, is a very daunting thing to tackle. And I think that's why it never happened in a world where we've already gotten, you know, a queen biopic that garnered awards rocket man, the Elton John biopic garnered awards. And it's, it's like shocking that there wasn't the Elvis flick. Um, And I think it's because it's really hard to do. I think it's also, when you've had Ray and walk the line and then walk hard, like uh, kind of take those tropes that are going to absolutely be present in the Elvis movie because they actually happen to the guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's the only way you can do it is by going all in. And that's why you need Baz Luhrmann uh, to, to really be like, I've got, I've got the style. I've got the jazz. I got the vision. And then you need Austin Butler to be like, I'm going to dedicate my fucking life and soul <laughs> to to being Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not the easiest thing to do, uh, said very gently. And I think that, like, you know, people talk about it. There's parts of his voice that will probably never go back to normal. Like that dude was was all in and it shows his performance is striking. And I don't super care about the Oscars or awards or stuff like that anymore, but these actors sure do and i hope he wins it mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and it's gonna be tough competition um i haven't been so blown away and i'll tell you it, it, the attention to detail is is striking uh, just if you're a fan um of elvis and of these live performances that are so famous um the 68 comeback special they do so good on that the thing that got me was uh there's a very very famous performance is one of elvis's last performance and he he, he's old Mm -hmm. Uh, not old not old i mean old for elvis which is like what 47 or whatever Mm -hmm. um but like it's and it's the performance they do in the movie and uh near the end of it where elvis sings unchained melody and he can't stand and Mm -hmm. he's 
playing piano himself and they're holding the mic up to his mouth and he sounds incredible. He sounds incredible. And it's, it's beautiful, amazing footage and you should watch it. But they have Butler do it and it got, it became the <laughs> fucking pissed me off. Uh, it became the source of some memes because Butler's in this makeup that where he's all, you know, overweight and sweaty and everything else. But my God, do they just hit it beat for beat and you're just seeing this dude that's like been exploited for two decades of his life by Tom Hanks who's completely over the top and I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, I don't care. Not one mm-hmm. bit. Um, it, you're seeing like this larger than life character be portrayed in a larger than life manner. Uh, it's deserved. Baz Luhrmann's the only one I'd want to do this flick. The, there can be smaller Elvis movies. There there have been. I loved Elvis and Nixon or whatever it was when mm-hmm. Michael Shannon played Elvis. He rocked. He rocked the house, but that's a take. Um, it, 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 they're going to do this other one now where it's the dude from Euphoria who's going to be Elvis and something, and that's cool, and that, you know, power to you to do, like, the smaller one, but you need the proper... You need the proper biopic uh, to be done right, and I think it is. But when they do the Unchained Melody in the movie, not only is it beat for beat to the video, but, like, they just nail it. It hit me in the heart, dude, and I was just, oh, my God, I was just weeping. But, like, not, like, I I wasn't, like, sobbing, but, like, my eyes were just, like, faucets. Like, it was brutal, (laughs) and I was just like, this is really, really, really good. And I think I was wearing a mask at the time still, too, so I was just, like, like drowning. I was waterboarding myself, basically (laughs) crying at Austin Butler and at this movie, and... It just meant so much to me, probably by and large because I associate it with my father. But that's that's what better reason for a movie to take number one. Like it's a movie that no other movie could strike me because of that. So, yes, that's the books are very cooked for me as a fan of Elvis and his music, but certainly to the association to my dead father. So uh, there's nothing I can really do there. Uh, That's number one for for those reasons. I really enjoyed Elvis when. When that trailer came out, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be the yeah. movie of the season. Because you can yep. always count on Baz Luhrmann to give you a good time. And I was mm-hmm. entertained. Let mm-hmm. me tell you. It's long, too. It's mm-hmm. long, and I don't think it feels long. Because, like, they're, they're, they're cruising. And Austin Butler has got very sturdy shoulders and carries the flicks so so fucking so well and so does hanks hanks is getting flack i think maybe it's just from my inner circle do you like tom hanks and, and, and i and do Elvis? actually oh i had a good God. time this is why we have this show he fucking rocks <laughs> oh there we go now we're talking everybody you know what no nobody else said anything bad <laughs> everybody loves hanks it's so awesome <laughs> I think um I think you I think that the movie is probably more for everyone if it's not for Hanks doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I I heard people call for like you know it's similar to what people called for uh this year with the Batman and Colin Farrell. It's so funny Colin Farrell and Barry Keegan were in the Batman and Banshee same year. Um but a lot of people called for that too where it's like why don't you just hire a, a heavy actor? Like, or why don't you just, instead of it being, oh, I want to cast Colin Farrell, and then you put all this stuff on them, and the same thing with Tom Hanks, uh, you could actually give that role to something. But I understand that Tom Hanks is the hook because Austin Butler was, I guess, of yet unproven, even though he rocked in Yoga Hosers and on Arrow and then other various avenues, that Disney show he was on. Um, But he's got a fan for life out of me. I will watch him closely. 
Uh, I adore him. I love every uh, every last thing he'll ever do. I, I'm going to watch him. He's going to – he's not in Pattinson territory, but he's at, like, when Pattinson was new territory where I'm like, mm-hmm. who is this fucker? I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and he's going to be in the sequel of Dune, too. I think he's, like, one of the main villains. So I'm, I'm watching his career with great interest, as Palpatine said to a young Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, it's so delightful to hear you say that. I – I I honestly was expecting the Batman as your number one, um, so it it, t- it took me by surprise. The Batman, I I, am a... <laughs> I I don't know what I should say. I love Robert Pattinson so mm-hmm. much. How could I say that? And I love Colin Farrell so much. I love the whole cast. The whole cast rocks. I love so much about so many choices. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. I just uh. I've rewatched it a lot of times and it, and and it's, Oh boy. I don't want to end this on a bummer. No, no, no. I, I think we have actually talked about this before. <laughs> but I'm it's, like, I'm like, Oh God. It's, it's like oh, the Batman. I think Batman's kind of a dumbass, in it, but <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily care. I just don't think that the Batman, there's some choices. Oh my God. I don't know. We should talk about it because because I have gone through such a year with the Batman. I love it. I, I own every Funko Pop the Batman made. Mm-hmm. Every single one. Uh, I have this giant one. I love Pattinson. I'm excited for the sequel. I love... I, I, I fuck with the flick. I have the steel book. I just couldn't put it on the top ten. It's... Yes. With, yeah. Sometimes you don't vibe with it. Especially with, like... I mean, there's a few that it probably could have bumped. Maybe... But they're all on here for very specific reasons, and most of these are really killer scripts. I actually don't think the Batman script is nearly as good as most of these. Uh, and I, I do think it's fun how uh, our top films, like, they really affected us in, like, a very personal way. You know, that's what it's all about, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we're not going to sit here and get what... I think it would be so boring to sit here and be like, just read you, essentially, a list of the Oscar noms. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Because, of mm-hmm. course, those movies are good, but I didn't, A, I didn't necessarily see all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a very promising episode built in for Babylon because oh, you boy. saw it. Critics and fans are, like, in consensus that it is, like, in the 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so I'm very intrigued about it because I love Damien Chazelle. I love everything he's ever made. Um, I cannot wait I, to get your take on it. I honestly I, can't that's one where i'm like i knew i was built in like i was marking it as my favorite already without seeing it but i just couldn't get to the theater for it uh around the holidays and stuff i tried like three times to be like steer taylor's family in that direction like what if we all went to the mall i don't think you would have wanted to see that movie with taylor's family well that's good to know in retrospect (laughs) because i was i was really pushing it i was like let's go see it let's go see it i made my dad sit i made my mom and dad sit through first man in the movie theater it was like a birthday gift because it came out my birthday weekend i was Mm -hmm. like get ready idiots you remember la la land they're like we didn't watch that i was like well it was very good but this is different and (laughs) fucking fucking oh my god my dad was so bored i felt terrible actually i didn't feel terrible because that movie rocks so everybody can can kick rocks um you got any final thoughts, Katie, on 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 the 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 year of cinema that was twenty twenty two? Now that we are in the end of January, it was such a fun year. It I felt yeah. like more often than not, I was leaving the theater with a smile on my face, or oh, yeah. even films that I didn't like that much, like Men. Um, 
gave me a lot to mm. talk about. Like I made my friends go see men just so I didn't feel crazy <laughs> for having seen it. you see Fablemans? I did see Fablemans. Is it good? Uh, I-, I liked Fablemans. A bummer? I- a little bit, but you know. It looks like a bummer. Look at a long bummer. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it, but I'm like, all right. It's quite good, I- but it does feel long. Okay. It looks long. Mm-hmm. Um, what about... Uh, I had a couple others. Tar. Did you see that? I did see Tar. Is it awesome? Uh, that's another one where I... It gave me a lot to think about. Um, I... Okay. <laughs> Since we have a moment, I uh, I feel that Tar is a movie about a gay woman that does not feel like it is queer at all. It felt like oh, her boy. being oh, boy. queer is very incidental. It's meant to be like... Coffee. If if this is like, like obviously she's supposed to be a woman in power who is acting badly the way that men in power act, but I think that they could have just had the character be a man and it would have made no difference. It made no difference. I we got a tremendous performance out of it. Kate Blanchett is amazing. She's incredible. It's it's a very interesting film. It it has a a lot to say. There's a lot of ruminations, but um, I it didn't vibe with it. It's good. I didn't okay. vibe with it. I want to see it. It's, I, I think I'll dig it, but I, I'm, I'm interested. I would just like, you know, I feel obligated to see these big time movies from, um, especially when they get the love around the awards. So I'll, I'll add it to the list for sure. Mm-hmm. Did you see the way uh, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino said her name uh, at the Golden Globe? No. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he, he opens the envelope. He goes, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> it is so funny, dude. Oh my god. I'll have to, I'll have to find it for you. It was a good time, Jake. I did. I wasn't watching, but Jake sent it to me, and then would not stop sending it. Like every day with Jake, it was like Kate Blanchett. <laughs> um, but good for her. Love her. But yeah. Um, I've been watching some. I watched another uh, one. Other one that I almost wanted to put on the list. Did you watch Do Revenge? Dude, I almost put Do Revenge on my list. I was this close. It's number eleven. Oh yeah, it's my number eleven too. Oh fuck. Well, that's nice. Good for us because. It's so much that fun. That is exactly the genre and movie that I was obsessed with for so long mm-hmm. that it still hit the spot because I like so many of those actors so much. Um, like, we got Homeboy from Dash and Lily. We've got Maya Hawk. We've got uh, Riverdale. I'm doing the terrible job with names. I, did, uh, I think Austin Abrams is the guy from Dash and Lily. I cannot remember... Um, the woman's name from Riverdale at the top of my head, but since I didn't make the list, it's okay. We'll talk about it later because I really dug it. It could almost be its own episode. Oh yeah. I'd be into it. it. I really, really, really like the genre. And I, I thought that it was, um, doing a really good job. Kind of the way, what's another one that kind of did this where it kind of took like just the, the sick truths like of, uh, of like dudes in society today. And especially like, you know, privileged white dudes and Mm -hmm. they kind of, uh, they kind of flip it. And I don't know. It just, it was really, really, I just thought it was hilarious. And it's the total, like, I think it is like a book, right? It's like a, it's like a total uh, YA book. Oh, I have no idea if it was based off of a book. If it's original, holy shit. I thought that it was based on a book. Um, I thought it was so cute. Like I, I really, really enjoyed the watch and I don't, um, I was telling, saying it to Taylor earlier because she's like, you're not putting it on there because I talked about it. And I was like, I just think that I love it. And I just think that I've aged out of the genre a little. 
to to go ahead and toss it on the top ten. Camila Mendez, Maya Hawk, Camila Mendez, Austin Abrams. Um, they all crushed. Um, but let's see. What is it based on? If I'm crazy, then I'm crazy. No way. It's a ridge. This is just, just a ridge loosely based on Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. <laughs> loosely inspired by yeah. it should be. Wow. And everybody likes this movie, too. We would have been the cool kids. It can't even be an episode. All right. Well, fucking a. Everybody watch this movie too. It's really good. this was number eleven for us. Yeah. All right. So everybody We're just relax. Consensus. We're finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. We're cool. <laughs> We're cool. We're cool. Fucking people. Mm-hmm. Um, rock on. Well, Babylon's baked in. I think you and Ned are seeing eighty for Brady, which I think we should chat about. Mm-hmm. We have episodes are coming, folks. So stick with us in twenty twenty three. I promise we got good stuff coming. With all that being said, I've been Luke. I've been Katie. And we will see you this year probably i don't know (laughs) very nice